This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Welcome to a very special episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast. Of course, all episodes of the Make America Grape Again podcast are special. Today, we got Mississippi. What we've got here is something a little bit different from our normal thing because what we're going to be doing today is the Queen's Reward Meadery Delta Dry Grape Mead from Tupelo, Mississippi. Which is also known as the birthplace of... Yeah, baby. Titan care, baby. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was born in Tupelo? I'm pretty sure he was. Huh. Isn't a Tupelo a type of flower as well? Sounds like kind of a fruit to me. Oh, I must be thinking Tangelo. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when we're in the Southwest. Oh, that's a cool pattern in the corkscrew. Like nice healthy little... oh, pop. Oh, it kind of looks like the... It's like a beehive. Oh, beehive. Tis the plan. So, mead is in most of the U.S. classified under wine laws, which is why we are doing this as part of this podcast. Uh, although this is technically uh, a piment, which is basically a honey, I almost said honey mead, which was an exercise in redundancy. <laughs> Ooh, I can smell that from here. Honey grape mixture. So grapes and honey are fermented together. This is using Riesling and uh, cotton honey, I believe. Sure doesn't smell dry. Mm. i tell you that much. Uh, this is this is listed as a dry mead. Uh, according to the website, Delta Dry is an amazing combination of sweet Mississippi honey and tart Riesling grapes that ferment together to produce a tart dry mead that appeals to wine and beer drinkers alike. Blah blah blah. Tasting notes. Tasting notes. Tasting notes. Blah blah blah. <laughs> 2018 was when this was uh, fermented. So the honey is local. I want to say it's cotton honey or cotton blossom honey used for this, but I could be wrong. It smells a little Riesling, Rieslingly. A little bit. It's it's a a honey and then I also, uh, yeah, the honey is... A lot of, very floral, too. Oh, yeah. Makes you think, like, honeysuckle, honestly. Yeah. This or... is uh, more honey-forward than other similar dry meads that I've run across from here in Arizona. I'm really getting the potency. Mm-hmm. It's nice, though. At first, it had kind of a funky mustiness to me, but that's kind of... I mean, of it does, but most meads I've noticed have that. I haven't had a lot of mead before. Well, you know, there's a pun in there somewhere, and I can't find it. Anyway. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I'm like, man. You know, so far, it's, this is mead to order. Hi. There we go. So it's also this really rich sort that of like color is gorgeous. Yeah, the yes, color is gold and beautiful. Yeah. It makes me think of like aged, super aged, super old Chardonnay, old dessert wines, mm-hmm. old champagnes. Yeah, that's or amber wines. It's that rich sort of kind of a decadent smell to me, which is I mean that in a good way. That is not dry. Mm. No, this is definitely. There's a little bit of residual sugar there, but it's not super sweet. 
to me. It's got a short finish, by and large, on the tongue, but it sticks to the rest of your mouth. I was just going to say, like, this is the weirdest, like, experience. Like, it's like my tongue feels nothing. It's like it kind of went away, but I can taste it, like, around my mouth. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, on the sides of my tongue, too, I can taste it, on but I can't periphery. taste it on the yeah on the top of the tongue. And it's like it it's... has a mouth presence. Like, I don't know how, it's like it, I don't know. I don't, yeah. know to, I don't know how to explain what this feels like. Like, I breathed in, and I can taste it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I didn't have to drink it. Like, it's like, you sipped on it, and it almost tastes like nothing. And then once you... It's so, it's so weird. Yeah, it is. And I kind of want to like, oh, let's let's drink more. Let's drink more. I can see this getting dangerous really quick. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> this evokes Ooh, images of a decadent... Pre-decadent antebellum decayed plantation setting to me. I'll leave out all the uh, other things that went along with that, but yes. It's almost tannic a little bit. Yeah, it's got some tartness there, and I guess that's... Well, not even tart, but I feel it kind of drying my tongue out a little bit. I don't know if this was aged in barrel or not. Yeah, but like not... But if it was, it would explain not only the color, potentially... um, but also the those tannins that you're getting. But I don't know. They're still open. We could call them and find out. That would be an interesting surprise. Hey, we're on a podcast. Actually, surprise, uh, surprise. can we use one of your phones? Um, simply because uh, remembering the difficulty of putting it on speaker last time with... Uh, I would feel really bad just calling someone random in the tasting room and putting them on the spot like that. I've done it before. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did it for the Hawaii episode. That just seems so strange to me. Some rando tasting room person. Well, I, what do we have to lose? Mm-hmm. Our souls. Well, no, yeah. Really. <laughs> He's trying so hard. <laughs> really wants that pizza. <laughs> Look at him. But uh, I can't do it on my phone because the, the speaker doesn't work too well and they can't hear me. If I can tap into Megan's Wi-Fi, I will let you oh. do it through her. One moment, please. Oh, for Pete's sake, I hate this part. I have the fingerprints setting going, and it's being a bitch. While uh, James does that, Megan, would you read the label? The tiniest font ever. Jesus Christ. That's what she'll sell up. Mead is a traditional wine made from honey with origins dating back 8,000 years and has been treasured and enjoyed by royalty and commoners alike for all of recorded history. Queen's Reward invites you to make your own history while enjoying this unique grape mead. Queen's Reward takes pride in being a Mississippi native winery. Delta Dry is best enjoyed chilled. Which is what we're doing. It could be chilled I really cooler. like this bottle. Yeah. <clears throat> You like my KGB spider? I do indeed. <laughs> we are currently getting Wi-Fi set up on my phone so so we can make that surprise call to the uh, makers of this fine concoction. I'm in Or at least it. the tasting room. I'm obliged, thank you. Mm-hmm. Ready for the number? Go ahead. 662-823-6323. And if you could put it on speaker. Uh, Jeff, how can I help you? Hi, Jeff. We're in the process of recording an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast with the Queen's Reward Meadery Delta Dry. As we was, we were wondering if the mead maker was present, uh, so we could ask him a few questions. Um, 
I can I can certainly help you with that. What what kind of questions do you have? Well, for one, where are the uh, Riesling grapes that were in this mead sourced? I'm, I'm sorry, where did they what? Where was the Riesling in the Delta Dry uh, sourced from? Uh, from uh, for that one, they came from Oregon. Okay, Oregon does good Riesling. Um, was this fermented and aged in barrel and all? Um, so the, the way that's made, it's, uh, the, the Riesling and the, the honey is fermented together at the same time. And that we just aged a little bit in the fatal steel tank. We did not barrel age that. Okay. okay. We were getting a little bit of tannins there. And we were wondering where that was coming from. Uh, that that has not been in a barrel, no. Okay. Actually, we're just now playing with some oak aging and and uh, just a you know little uh, little tidbit. Um, the federal government requires that uh, if you're going to age on oak, you have to put that in your recipe when you submit it for federal approval. And so uh, that what you've got there hasn't that hasn't been done yet. So. Oh, cool. I did not know that. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah. What kind of inspired the uh, style of Delta Dry? Um, so we, um, my wife and I were, were the, were the mead makers and, and we, uh, really like Riesling and, um, you know, we like, we like dry and, and medium and sweet. And, uh, we just, we did, we just, you know, said, let's make a, let's like a Riesling mead. And, um, that was the, that was really the, the, the our first creation that, that we actually pushed out in, in our tasting room nice. and eventually out, you know, to the public. Nice. The honey that's in this, is there, uh, what kind of honey is it particularly from? Well, obviously all a beehive, honey, but... Yeah, all of our honey is, is uh, Mississippi honey. And uh, the honey that went into that batch actually came, it was, uh, it was uh, taken from the wildflower field behind uh, the Mississippi Ag Museum in Jackson. Oh, cool. Well, thank you very, very much, Jeff. I, I appreciate uh, you answering our questions. Uh, I'll be sure to send you a link to this uh, when it's posted and ready. I appreciate your help. It's very enjoyable meat. Okay. Yeah, this thank is you. delicious. Yeah, we like it a lot. Oh, well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Mm-hmm. Bye. That poor guy was like, what the fuck? He did good. He was very helpful, very friendly. Yeah. We learned what we set out to learn. Yeah, I like this uh, I really like a lot. This. I didn't at, like right at first. I was like, mm, but it's growing on me. I actually really, this is fun. This, you know what else this reminds me of? A really well aged, high quality cognac or armagnac. Mm-hmm. Which I immediately want to. Uh, not so much approach this with food. Uh, but I really want to approach this with cigars. Okay. Uh, a medium-bodied cigar, yeah, something I like a, light to medium. Something like maybe Sun Grown Connecticut, and like maybe the uh, Camacho Connecticut, uh, or uh, the Eastern Standard from Caldwell. No, when I was in the army. Or go ahead. it might work well. I remember I was recently smoking my second ever Davidoff cigar. Uh, and I have a love-hate relationship with David Off, and that I've now smoked two cigars by them, and one was great, which was the one that I'm about to talk about, and the other was the most abysmally boring thing I have ever smoked, 
Um, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I was smoking the 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 last hour, the finest hour, which actually has Winston Churchill on the label, because ah. uh, I guess it was designed to pair with cognac or brandy, and this reminds me of that. And I remember thinking of about that while I was smoking it, driving the uh, the other day, and thinking, "Wow, this is a good cigar. It just needs cognac accompaniment." I'm sure, Churchill would have enjoyed this mead. Oh yeah, two or three bottles a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of of England, the etymology of mead. <laughs> Actually comes from an Anglo-Saxon word. Um, Medu, I think. Uh, let's uh, approach the Googles. I believe it was mentioned in Beowulf. It was. Okay. Uh, because actually there was a picture on the website. Um, my ex-fiance from Philadelphia would have called it Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Comes from Old English Medu. According to Wikipedia, it is an alcoholic beverage created by fermenting honey with water, sometimes with various fruits, grains, spices, or hops. Very old style. According uh, to Wikipedia, the earliest uh, residual samples found in Europe on pottery are dating from the Bell Beaker culture from about 2800 to 1800 BCE. The earliest surviving description made, according to some scholars, is the mention of Soma, uh, mentioned in the hymns of the Rig Veda. Um, it was also preferred drink in ancient Greece. Pliny the Elder also talks about it. He called it Miletitis? Miletitis? Milet... Milet... Mil... Sorry. Continue. Miletitis. Miletitis, I think. Which makes sense, because that might come from the Greek word melissa, which is honey or bees or something, uh, if I remember correctly. Millie or titties. <sighs> oh dear. I'm sorry. I just had to inject a little vulgarity into this. So anyway, uh, the yeast apparently used in mead making uh, is apparently the same used often for winemaking. They often ferment at about the same temperatures as wine. Um, as Jeff mentioned, uh, the if you're going to be doing a mead, you need to submit that recipe to the TTB. Um, That's interesting. Which is not what you have to do for wine, which I think is very interesting. Correct is... me if I'm wrong, but mead is probably the only alcoholic beverage that you could actually find in the wild in a natural state. Potentially. Yes, that's what I have heard. You have a honeycomb and a tree. They get some water and... And the sun shines on it, ferments it. With and... wild yeast. Yeah, that could... You know, it is possible, and a lot of people have talked about how mead is maybe the oldest form of alcohol for that reason, um, that it was could be naturally made versus wine or beer, which you would have to start somehow on on its own, even accidentally, right. by putting grapes in containers and yeah. and then fermenting on its own, or hops, and or not hops, I'm sorry, this was way before hops, but, you know, grains getting wet and getting slushy and turning into alcohol that way what's the there's like a tree or something in africa that the whatever's growing on that ferments on its own and animals like to just go over there and get drunk the amarula i believe you know what it is i just i know i've seen that it's, on facebook before they and it's also the one that you see on uh the label has an elephant on it and it's from south africa they do a, make it as a liqueur oh okay why do I have images of a wild, hairy John Belushi gnawing on a tree? <laughs> because you do? have a vivid imagination. Um, but anyway, historically, meads were fermented with wild yeast and bacteria resting on the skins, the fruit, in the grapes, or within the honey itself. 
Um, in this case, uh, I should have asked, when, oh, what was the strain of use? But blah, blah, blah. Yeah, You win some, you lose some. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. Me too, me too. It's, really yeah. uh, it's got a really unique flavor character. There's a kind of like an earthy... Thank you, sir. Uh, Gotta save the rest for some photography. Well. Um, like wet concrete, too. Yeah, that sort of minerality. Yeah. There we go, that's the word I was looking for. But this golden color is just beautiful. It's beautiful. You could freeze this and set it in a gold ring and wear it as jewelry. It's just absolutely mm-hmm. lovely to look at. Yeah, it's that topaz shade. Mm-hmm. So the history of Mississippi wine. So right now, Mississippi has three wineries. Plus the metering. There is one AVA in Mississippi, but we'll get to that in a bit. Mississippi has actually been producing wines apparently since the state was established in 1817. And a lot of families created their own blends using abundant various muscadine grape and grapes that grow in that area. But 13 years before Prohibition, wine production in the state was suppressed due to a statute that banned the manufacture and sale of Mississippi wine. And then, not only that, Mississippi was the last state to repeal the Volstead Act hmm. in 1966. Cool. And most of the state is dry counties, even today. Yeah. So anyway, uh, because of that, there's only three commercial wineries, although uh, one has apparently shut down. Um, I could only find two other than Queen's Reward yeah. listed. Um, I don't know if this is counting in the Wikipedia total or not of three, but... Uh, I feel like it would be a separate thing, even though there is a lot of overlap, not only with this being a piment, which apparently also in ancient Greek was known as Hippocrates. Yes, I've heard of, I've heard of that. I've heard that term before. Um, that went into later years, too, didn't it? It did, but later it became known as specifically spiced wine in right, the Middle Ages. Right. But to the ancient Greeks, piment was also known as Hippocrates, and apparently Kukleon was a drink that was basically wine... Mead, spices, and herbs mixed. And there was a, a philosopher uh, who was known for pithy one-liners. Uh, not Diogenes, before Diogenes. Heraclitus. Okay. And apparently he talks about how all these things are separate, but when you swirl the cop, uh, the kukleon becomes the kukleon. I.e., they exist separately, but the act of changing it through shaking and stirring and swirling, makes the drink whole. E pluribus unum. Which actually, uh, the funny thing is, uh, even though that's the U.S. motto, it originally came from a recipe from Apicus. The statement, uh, out of many, one. Um, So there's your uh, entertainment value of the, the day. Maybe. Or night, if you're listening to this. So the muscadine grape was the main driver for wine in Mississippi. Um, yeah, um, so uh, Old South Winery is probably the one that is the most famous Mississippi winery. Uh, we will be visiting them again in later episodes. The other two that are listed are Amarella Vineyards, which is still open, and but doesn't have a website. And then there's Gulf Coast Winery, which I couldn't find anything about and seems to have been closed. But anyway... Uh, The big AVA in Mississippi is the Mississippi Delta AVA, which was formed in 1984. And it's also shared with Mississippi's border states of Tennessee and Louisiana. Um, But it's not really attracted any large-scale viticulture, mostly because of the tough climate. 
And of course, that prohibition, long prohibition period, it's hard to convince yeah. people to do that. But there are uh, people doing it, and uh, technically, this would be in the old South Aviate, even though it's not made from local grapes, it's made from local honey. Yeah. Um, but you can't label a, a mead as AVA because it's not grape wine, apparently. Well, yeah. American I mean, honey, apparently. On Aha? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aha! So, uh,. Before we, we part, uh, graphic designer of the group, what do you I think? I fucking love this label. And this bottle, like the way that they did the little honeycomb kind of thing on the sides, like actually, and that's not part of the label, I don't that's what etched on there. I think like, that's something. screen print. Screen print. See, I suck at these things with printing. I'm like, I just design it, somebody else prints it. But no, I think this, this label makes me so fucking happy. Like just the way that they did it. Because I like too when they do different shapes with it instead of it just being like, yeah. you know. And the, the honeycomb pattern on the, the cork. Oh, the cork, the cork oh, is phenomenal this, too. Oh, yeah. That just adds that extra little oomph to it, which is just fun. But I mean, the fonts are great. Every, oh, it makes me happy. Yeah. I'm really digging this. I. And the more I drink this, the more I wish I had a cigar with it. My verdict? I wouldn't miss a sip of this Mississippi mead. <laughs> I want it with brie. Ooh. This would be really good with brie. Yeah. Brie and cigars. But on that note, let's make uh, America grape again. Cheers. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. I really hope this gets becomes viral so that way this place gets a real buzz. About oh, yeah. It. Get the buzz going. But we could drone on and on about this. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was good at the puns, but I'm not. It's okay. You know, you're still part of this hive. Yes, <laughs> somehow. Okay, I'm out of puns. Yeah, me too.